tell it like it is the kingdom way and i'm apostle dr baker j baker who is a doctor in psychology and i start off with laughing they also call me the laughing doctor probably because i have a brother that 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 helps me to laugh and makes me laugh and we're here to provoke you to think about how you think about your life how you think about the 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 first testament how you think about god how you think period and uh in this provoking i am so blessed and so honored to have my brother apostle calvin cook with me indefinitely until god says that he is released uh you know on this program and we desire to help you to be able to live a life of a, of the kingdom which is a successful life that's the only successful life and now i'm going to bring on apostle calvin cook and he is going to open things up if you did not see the sacramento conversion conference then you need to go on love-unity.org and you need to watch what it is that he did but he is going to bring some of that forth today and next week and continuing on until you're living, we're living where we're supposed to be living. So welcome, Apostle Calvin. Go Praise for the Lord. it. Good morning. I should say good afternoon, uh, <laughs> Dr. Baker, Apostle Baker, and to all those that have been uh, keeping up with us a little bit concerning these uh, new creation realities, talking about the tabernacle and how uh, important it is for us to understand that you are the tabernacle. I gave you that scripture last week. I was with you out of Revelation chapter 5, 9, that we find ourselves as being the tabernacle of God. Uh, and uh, and I, I went back and to, to go through uh, some teachings I did uh, that I've used. I, I got a, I, I've read, I can't say I read all the tabernacle books, but I have read most of them. Some of them I couldn't deal with them because they were really cerebral and it was more information than revelation. And it, they weren't, they didn't see that it was an example led, left for us, uh, an admonition of instruction for us to follow, to see things that we should do and also look at the things that we shouldn't do that they did, our previous generations did, that caused them to have failure in their journey in God. They did not make it into promise. They did not make it. Uh, it wasn't because God didn't do all he could to make them successful. I mean, he gave them the supernatural and all kind of different demonstrations of his love and power, yet they found fault. They couldn't wrap their mind around the journey because they didn't like the wilderness. They didn't like how he did what he did. They didn't like that there were going to be opposition. There were going to be giants. There were going to be things that it just wasn't going to just be a cakewalk. And they couldn't get there. They didn't realize that the whole time they were complaining, he kept them safe. He kept them uh, well cared for. He kept them. Uh, he was their provider. Uh, he was their protection. Uh, the system that he set up for them was a system that would keep the enemies at bay. Matter of fact, while they were there under the cloud, before they even crossed the Jordan River, uh, Jordan River, God had put a fear upon the people in Jericho. He put a fear upon the people because he heard about, they saw and heard of the exploits of God. 
before and that the people were are more afraid of the people that were afraid of God than they were. And they should have been afraid of God rather than the people, but they got it all messed up in the head. So I, I want to look at some things. Uh, I, I was uh, I, I asked uh, Joe Henry to put up the tabernacle today because uh, I think we haven't looked at it in a while. And, and, and some people still look at it as a novelty, but it is not. It's a picture of Christ. There it is right there. It's a picture of, of heaven on earth. I want you to see that. This is God's pictorial, his symbolic presentation of the kingdom of God and the son of God and the people of God. Now, when I look at that, I see Jesus. I see his people. I see his coming kingdom. That's what that Shekinah glory cloud represents is that the kingdom of God has come, but you got to go into the secret place to find that to get a revelation of what's hidden there. The world doesn't get to see this. That's why it's covered. I say this again. I said it so many times. Don't be so eager to put television cameras in your church when you're worshiping God. Uh, that's a bedroom scene. You don't bring people in your bedroom when you when you're kissing on your wife. And you got to be careful to not let uncircumcised people and unclean people in their heart watch you make love to God while you're worshiping him. I didn't say that as a hardened rule, but I say to you this one thing. They don't like you. And they're looking for something that you're doing so they can mock you. And I'd hate for it to be your worship to God. I know that this tabernacle had four coverings, well, actually two curtains over it and, and, two, uh, and two coverings. That God went out of his way to make sure whatever he did with those who entered into Christ was in a secret place. It was in a place that the natural man couldn't see into that nor go to school, get educated about what's going on in there. And no one could uh, kind of guess what's going on. It has to be revealed only by those who've been born into that place. And that means they had to repent and come into that place in Christ. And so this tabernacle picture uh, is a picture of the reality of the kingdom of God in the earth and his people being in him, living in him, having their being in him, where all the promises of God in him are yes and amen in him. Now, uh, one of the reasons that we got to go to the secret place, while we got to get past the outward gate here, remember there's three entrances to the tabernacle, the gate, the door, and the veil. The veil's been removed, and the door has been revealed as Christ in John chapter 10 says, I'm the door to the sheepfold. This is the sheepfold. This is the rest for the weary. This is where you go in when he called the church in into Sabbath. He didn't call them into a day. He called them into a person. It's not a day that's a Sabbath. It's the Messiah that's the Sabbath. Anyone that lives in him lives in rest. Come on, listen to me now. You don't have to pick a day out of the week and, and practice some uh, uh, traditional religious of man, religion of man. But you live every day in your rest. A great man of God who prophesied to President Obama that he would be the next president called me up. And he said this to me. He said, man of God, the spirit of God told me one thing. Don't make try to make anything happen. Just be at rest in him. And he shook me because I had all this stuff going on. He said, man of God, I like the way he said, God told me to tell you to rest, to, to Sabbath in him. 
And that that is the reality of the kingdom of God. We're not looking for a day. We live in the day. Come on. That's the day of the day star. The sun is already shining and we're already in that day. We pressed in it, but it can't be revealed in the outward courts of man. Only in the court. Now, what's supposed to happen in this new creation and under that once we come into Christ? Come on, if any man be in Christ, now I don't know if you can see that. It may be too small a picture, but there are five pillars standing in that door that Christ put there as an example of now that uh, he has come to the earth and he has ascended and descended. And he gave gifts unto anthropos, unto mankind, which means women too. And you're a liar when you tell uh, that women aren't included. When God included them, even at the creation of the whole planet, he had a co-apostle. Uh, uh, the female and male were apostles of the entire earth. And you won't let a woman sit in, in your pulpit with you because you, you, you're misinterpreting the scriptures. And you got this old keep the woman down mentality, which keeps you from being in the will of God in your house. Uh, I wrote something down. I may not be able to read it because I don't want to go wandering all over the place. But I want to I wrote something down because it has to do with Eve and Adam. And uh, let me see if I can find that. If I can, I'm going to move on. And what it was saying is that Eve was taken from Adam. And every part of Adam was in Eve and every part of Eve was in Adam because she came out of him. And so they were actually one in essence. The only difference in their, them was the fact that each one of them had a different assignment. One was to bring forth a seed and the other one was to carry it and incubate it. And the woman was given the faculty to walk and to produce a uh, to care for two lives at one time. She could care for her life and also nourish the life of the seed. And that's what the church is supposed to do. And we see that in this depiction of the tabernacle. As we go in, come on, into Christ, we go to get inseminated with his seed so that we can come back into the outer court and reproduce the life that we got in the intimate relationship with him in the most holy place. When Mary was overshadowed, she received the seed of God. And if we will stay under, you know, I was thinking today, think about this. If you are John 15, abiding in the vine, and, and you are abiding in the word, and the, then there ought to be some growth and extension of your vine to other areas of your life. Because if you know anything about vines that are attached branches that are attached to vines, they grow and they expand. They get all over your wall. They get all over because because they're 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 receiving the water and the nourishment and they grow. So the question I ask many people, how where are your branches at? I can't even see a bud. Where is the fact that you're abiding? Where is the life of God that you were supposed to have by abiding in Him and Him? Where's the growth of your, where's the nature of God? Where is the characteristics of the Holy Spirit? Where are the gifts of the Spirit? Where is the fruit of the Spirit? And it just says that you're not abiding, you're stopping short and just walking out with the gifts of the Spirit, which were never given to you to go out and brand or to bring attention to yourself. The gifts of the Spirit were given to the church to develop the church, uh, uh, now, how can I say this to you? The, the gifts of the Spirit were given to you to, to, for, to prepare you 
to be a vessel that God could use, use to extend his kingdom in the earth realm. That, that's why you got the gifts of the spirit. The gifts of the spirit were never to draw attention to you or have people come to you because you had the gifts. The gifts of the spirit. Now watch this carefully. You got to hear me. The gifts of the spirit were given to the church to mature the saints, to come to stature, to come to mature. They were never you. Listen to me. There is no scripture in the Bible that allows you to use the gifts outside of maturing the saints to do the work of the ministry in the full stature of Christ. There is no, listen to me, there's no, I see people doing it, but there's no instruction that these gifts that God gave to men, these perfect giftings uh, that he gave to man uh, were just to go out and win people to Christ. That wasn't what he gave them to you for. Now watch, I'm not saying you don't win people to Christ. That's not what I said. I've won hundreds to Christ, many to Christ, just right here in the streets of San Jose. But I'm saying, what good does it to do if you win people to Christ and you're still not grown up and you don't have the stature of Christ and you're still fighting and arguing and, and all kind of stuff going in the church and strife and division. And you went out there and won all these souls and you haven't been one and your soul hasn't been one and you haven't grown up in the things of God. And you're still jockeying for position. You're still talking behind the man and woman of God's back and you're still backstabbing your friends and you haven't told your neighbors one time about Christ in 15 years. You have not led one person to the Lord. You've not cast out one devil. You have not brought one person to restoration. And you want to go out and preach. And you want to go win souls. The main objective, <laughs> oh my God, was to bring the body of Christ to maturity so there could be a second coming of Christ. So there could be a, a real revival. So there could be a real enlightenment, awakening, reformation, whatever you want to call it. I don't care. It, but all those things are a result of maturity, of mature people who come to the stature in the image of the Christ. And so as we go into this most holy place, we, this is where the recreation starts, and, we, and this is what it means. Recreate means, uh, it means recreating the Elohim principle, the God principle, because you were created originally to be in his image, and Adam lost that for you. When he lost his place in the garden, he lost the, the, the image of God, uh, amen, and he became, and now man is in the image of Seth or the image of Adam who also is a son of God, but he's a fallen son. And that's why it tells us in Colossians, if you be risen, what if I could show you the tabernacle uh, with the east end down and the west end up, it would be like a ladder climb. And that's what we're doing. When we come into this outer court, we're climbing out past the law. We're climbing out what God did for us. And we're coming into him so that we could do for him why he did for us in the outer court was to produce in us a son, to, to reduce, to reduce, to produce in us dominion in a people, to reproduce in us the image of his son, that he might bring many sons to glory. That doesn't take place in the outer court. That takes place in the area where people can't see. But today, don't get mad at me. People want to bring people into their churches 
so they could see the wonderful things they've done in, inside the building and the beautiful tapestry and, and all the different chandeliers and the thousands of people. And God never intended for the church to be a public display. It's supposed to be not a public display of furniture, lights and cameras, smoke machines, and come on, and laser lights. It's supposed to be a display of mature individuals who represent the likeness of God are coming out of that church are coming out of that building in a mature way of presentation of the life of Christ. And we don't do that very well, but we know how to get them camera shots on our buildings and make it look like, I told one time my cameraman uh, actually showed a true picture of the church and it was half empty. And I said, and I looked at it, I said, man, it don't look like nobody's attending my church. And the Lord said, ain't nobody attending your church. He said, don't, don't, don't fake that shot. Because you want people to think you have something. That's what you got. Those people that are there, those are the ones you got. And don't be ashamed of that. That's what I gave you. And when you learn to be joyful and glad and full of joy of what I gave you, then I might give you something else. But as long as you're ashamed of what you got and you don't glorify me what you got, why would I give you more? And so I had to back my off. God, I said, oh, my God. I, uh, I just told the truth. I hope nobody thinks they even lied of me. I don't even care. But anyway, uh, that's the true story. I was when mad. Have you ever, when have you ever cared how people thought about you? Please help me. Oh, with that. I think when my foot first came out the womb. I think so. I think so. So don't yeah. even go there, yeah. okay? <laughs> yeah. Because I came out of a deep pit, and God was the only one that got me out. I, I he was only. What I'm saying to you is that we don't have to be afraid of where we are. We're in the will of God. And if the will of God is 100 people, 200 people, you know, we've had nearly 500. And then God said, you know, thin them down. And I said, how am I going to thin them? They said, teach the kingdom. And I start teaching the kingdom. And I mean, that bad boy is like getting a haircut. It just thinned out. And that's okay because the money didn't thin out. The, the finances stayed the same with just less people. I'm not hearing anybody say anything. So it never, and I come out of a, a well, you come out the same church, uh, Apostle Baker. We come out of a pretty well-established mega, we were first one of the first mega churches, uh, still one of the largest churches. They, they claimed on their website that they'd have 12,000 members. And they made sure you understand that, how many members they got. <laughs> keep going, keep going. The thing about it that I don't hear is anybody having any sonship. They have people that sit in their buildings, but they don't have anybody sent out from those buildings. Matter of fact, they have this rule in the Bay Area that if you left the church, you had to, if you started another church, you had to move 35 miles out of town before you could start another church. And I asked the man of God who put that rule that where you get that from? What scripture? He said, don't come with scripture. He said, it comes with insecurity. He told the truth. That's why I love that brother. I'm not going to mention his name. I love that man. There's nothing that man can't ask me for today. Even I just saw him recently. He told, he said, Cal, he said, they got nothing to do with any 35 miles. He said, us mega church people, we as, as large as many people we have, we still have a fear that we're going to lose something. And he said, it's That's insecure. Right. And I said, okay, at least you told the truth. Bless your That's heart. Right. Bless. Now, let me go to this recreation thing. I must have an attitude. Let me go into this thing here. Uh, in other words, uh, the principle, not a Christian concept. Sorry, it takes creativity and imagination to release the Elohim principle. 
In other words, God's original intent for your life was not for you to be a Christian. God made the earth and we make the world we live in. I'm going to say that again. God made the earth, but we make the world we live in. He gave us the creative power to have a world that looks like heaven in the earth. He told us when you pray, don't just be praying, asking for stuff. Begin to legislate, mandate, and because the word ecclesia is a government term of legislators who've been given authority of their king to bring forth the, the king's culture into the earth that they're conquering. And we're not conquering by power or by might, but by God's spirit, uh, the born again release of his grace and mercy, we are reproducing after his kind. And the earth is filled up with people that have God's spirit in the earth. And though their assignment is to go forth and colonize and become trees of life where they're planted in any region and the fruit they bear should be fit for the master's table and people will come to life and they see the fruit of their spirit, which simply means they come to maturity. That's what the fruit represents, the nature of God. And, and then it also says here that, that we make the world we live in through the eyes of the king of the kingdom. We are boldly discovering a new world, pioneering kingdom models and local assemblies, the kingdom systems and integration. Well, we are to be a world changer. Our inward world, our inward resources and our inward states must be changed. We, we shall be changed in a moment in the twinkle of an eye. The new vision and the new mind and new mentality for a new day of living in the light of our eye. We got to start seeing things out of our assignment, not out of our color, not out of our gender, but out of the original purpose of God setting men in the earth, which for them to have dominion over that, the, hand, the work of his hands. And I was going to talk about that a little, but I mean, let me take a deep breath here because I'm rolling here. Uh, and so I see God uh, recreating the mind back in us, recreating us. So we get back in step with God's purpose about his ecclesia or his called out ones, or the, uh, called out, uh, uh, excuse me, uh, called out of uh, uh, called out into the earth, but he called out those who were elected. He just didn't call anybody. He called the elect into the earth. Amen. And he makes a statement, those who call upon my name day and night, who are the elect of God. He said, I would ask, so that's, a, that's a key thing here. If you've been called out and you've been elected, then you have a, a, a line to God to get prayers answered speedily. And you don't have to say, I wonder what God waiting on. No, that's because you praying pitiful prayers. Oh, God, or, you know, that, that stuff that they taught us how to pray. Oh, no, I'm just waiting on you, Jesus. To, oh, God. And then, no, stop. That, that's not prayer. That, that's that beggar mentality. And if you beg, you'll get a beggar's portion. You but, said pitiful? Pitiful? But if you pray as an elect of God, as an elect representative sent into the earth realm to legislate and mandate the father's authority in the earth and that the father's will be done, there's going to be an increase. 
There's going to be a multiplication. There's going to be things that get subdued. There's going to be things that come under our domain. There's going to be things that begin to look like heaven and the earth. There's going to become a people that come out of the napios and come out of the technon and come out of the immature states of God and begin to develop their sonship. And there's no immature sons that can delegate. You don't find any 10-year-olds in Congress. You don't find any, come on, teenagers in Congress. You only find mature people, seasoned, those who have suffered, those who've been tried, those who've been tried by the fire, those who said yes, even in tribulation. You find those to become elect, even though a child, even though it's an heir, is no more than a servant because it hasn't been developed and grown up. Even though it already, if someone was to die, they'd be left everything, but they wouldn't have the power to use it or operate in it because they're still immature. The church has not been given full rights yet because the majority of the church is still very immature. It's not the church's fault. It's the leader's fault because we got the same blueprint. It says the five-fold ministry was supposed to be those who would bring the church and bring them to maturity. Those are those five pillars in the outer court. No one should be entering into Christ without the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, pastor, and teacher equipping them to do what's going to be done. While the whole, listen to me. While the Holy Spirit is working in us to willing to do in, in the inner courts of our hearts, in our life, in our soulish realm, there's men out there encouraging you why he's doing it. Just stay fast, not movable ever. Let him finish the work. Stay on court. And then you measure their growth. We have people that measure. We need the pastor to measure. We need we need the apostle. We need, we need everyone to be a team. But we're so selfish and so selfish and self-centered and egotistical that we can't even say that the word is true and every man is a liar. Now we got our own interpretations. We get our own. We find out what Bible agrees with our doctrine. We don't care if it's true to scripture or true to revelation or whatever it is. We just want something to say something that sounds good to us, but we don't want to go back. What did God say about building the church, his church? See, then we find all these truths in the tabernacle. That's why I'm going so quickly. Hebrews chapter eight, Hebrews chapter nine. It tells you that this is a figure of that which is true in heaven. This tabernacle is actually what how things operate in the heavenly realm. He gave us a picture of it so we would learn the model of what I would call submission, the model of uh, headship, set man, set people. He set the people up in families in Numbers chapter 1. And then when he gave them Numbers chapter 1, he gave him number chapter 10. He says, now that everybody's in order, now I can speak to you. He could not speak to them while they were in chaos and disorder. He will not come to your church if you still can't obey the woman and man of God. He, why would he come and help you and you won't even listen to instructions? You're doing your own thing. You got your own ministry. Don't have any oversight. You profit lying all over town. You don't even have anybody that checks your word. You don't check your word with, any, I'm a man of God. I hear from God. I'm a woman. No, you don't. You need people in your life that God has set in your life to help you be balanced and more accurate in your presentation of what you say God is telling you to say. I ain't mad at nobody. 
I know you're not, and we're almost out of time, but you talked about the Napios and you also talked about the Ascension gifts, that we are the, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, that a more accurate part is the Ascension gifts and, 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 and to stop living so low. And on our next program, I really want you to get into this. You know, um, uh, Apostle Eddie or Love and Unity kept asking me, when am I going to let Apostle Calvin go? I asked he, him to ask you that. I said, pray for your brother. Let Israel go. No, Israel can't go yet. Oh, and I'm not the Pharaoh. I'm not the Pharaoh. I'm oh, working with God, was, and you won't work with scripture. me. Beg your pardon? That's that's uh, 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 Exodus chapter 4, 22 and 23. Uh, no, 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 no. That's, 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 that's not the scripture we're going by. We will finish. He has started a good work, and you will, will complete it until <laughs> the end. That's what we're going to do. So we will complete this. Uh -huh. Until the end, when the end is up, that's what we'll do. I need to talk to Frederick Johnson. I need Frederick. <laughs> uh, we're all, we're off. We're finished now. So what I need to let you know is share Frederick. this with your friends. Share this with everyone. This is Apostle Baker J. Baker and her brother, the obedient sons of God. And we're telling you, we will be back next week when we're telling it like it is the kingdom way. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>